welcome to another edition of MLB Pro Happy Hour, three slurred minutes edition. We got a little bit of this, a little bit of that to cover. Joined tonight by a cast of characters. We have Brenton, we have Scott, we have Jim, and we have myself, the anonymous GM. Um, we have quite a bit to cover. I've been given some topic, topics. Brenton has been given some topics. We have a flurry of trades to go over. I'm going to hand things off uh, and let you take charge of tonight's uh, show. So what's uh, what what's on your mind? What's what what do we need to talk about tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing we wanted to get into, we have a very rare opportunity where both GMs are here to discuss one of the larger trades made over the last month or so. Uh, and that's a guy like Kobe Lard, who has largely been untouchable for the what three years he's been in the majors. Uh, suddenly thrown into the block a couple weeks ago and, and finally dealt here. Not only dealt, but dealt in division. So, well, not in division, in league, I guess, right? So I, I wanted to to open that up. I figured we could explain both our sides of what we're doing here, right? Two, like at least one rebuilding team seemingly buying from a not rebuilding team is not a normal situation. So uh, I'd love to get a little bit of conversation there, get some anonymous takes on it. I know you had some people give you some stuff. Uh, and then get Jim's take on the situation and Sam, if he's willing to, to jump in here. So let's start with it. Let's start with this: the trade itself. Colby Allard going from Cincinnati to Atlanta. Atlanta sending four prospects: Brennan Malone, starting pitcher; Matthew Thompson, starting pitcher; Royce Lewis, third base; Fernando Luguzamo, shortstop. So four prospects, all highly thought of, from uh, Atlanta to Cincy. The 22-year-old Allard to Atlanta. So let's let's I guess start. Well, uh, I'm staring at you. So let's start with this. Why did the Braves do this trade? Uh, a team that's been in rebuild mode. Trevor Bauer sent out uh, a month ago. Uh, Armando Cabanas and all that stuff last year. Seemingly looking towards the future. You've been accumulating all these prospects. Why the sudden desire to move uh, some of those highly touted prospects for uh, a young starting pitcher? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was a move where I went out and made. I think if you think about this as me acquiring Trevor Bauer, it makes less sense. But LR being a guy who is 22 years old and, and has multiple years of control left and still fits my, my competition timeline, I still think that this is a move that, that keeps me on the rebuild. You know, you deal guys like Matt Thompson, who I like Matt Thompson, but I actually got him in that coin flip deal. If y'all remember the, the dice roll trade with the, the Mariners where we rolled the dice and I got him for Casey Kelly, he's a guy that never should have been on my team anyway, right? So Matt, uh, Matt Thompson was sort of like a, a toss-in piece for me. Not, not that he's not talented. The dude's very, very talented. Like, he never should have been in Atlanta. Um, you know, Brennan Malone was part of the deal with Chicago that, that brought back uh, – I sent Kyle Cody out. So, like, he was – you know, you look at it, there's a bunch of really, really good pieces, but I just need one. I, I already have Aiken and Tate. I like Porter Coran. I really like Robinson Rivera. I need one very good pitcher. And so, dealing four pieces that all have – great potential but have people that I've already got their equal on the team I thought of it as a place I could overpay for a, a MLB piece and, and get the guy I really wanted and not take the chance right and for Scott's side like I'll let him explain it but to me it makes total sense from his side as well so Scott here, here we were in Cincinnati that started the year a team that I think you expected many expected to compete for the NL, NL Central title it's been another slow start a disappointing start um, but when May started, I, I think there was still hope. There was still a belief from within that this team could win the division. Um, two weeks later, 
it seems that that uh, mindset either changed or just a new direction was wanted to be taken. What, what from your standpoint changed? And when it was determined that you were going to move Colby Allard, um, how, how did that process go? And as, in terms of the four players you got, what's their future outlook in Cincinnati look like? Well, you know, at the beginning of May, I didn't really expect to even think about trading Colby, but uh, Brenton came to me and said, hey, I'm willing to offer, and he listed some people, and I went, oh, now you're going to make me think about this. And, and we went back and forth for a while, and then uh, another another team jumped in and, and gave a good offer. And so the holdup for a few days there was, was Royce Lewis. Uh, Brenton didn't want to part with him. Yeah. And when I got the other offer, I pretty much came back to him and said, this is the deal that I would take, not expecting him to accept it. Jim, uh, so um, uh, no, go ahead, Scott, go ahead. Oh, and, and I made a similar offer to the second team that was involved and said, here's what it would take. And he held pat on what he was offering. And so... I decided this team has been frustrating me for the last couple of years. And, you know, if I'm going to try to go in a different direction, then I need to go in a different direction. And so, so I'm hearing that I was the weaker link is what you just basically said. Like the other team didn't <laughs> land and I did what I heard. So I agree. That's good to hear. Well, 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 I asked you if you were drinking before I made the offer. So that was a good, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jim, as an outsider, um, I guess both when you saw the trade, what did you think of the trade? And just in general, how shocked that were you that Allard got moved at all? So there's a couple things here. Um, one is I don't pay enough attention to actually be shocked by anything. But the thing that helps me in this deal is uh, I've, tried to, I've tried to trade with both of these teams this year. So I've actually gone through both their rosters. And I'm decently familiar with most of the pieces. Um, the question I really had is like when this, when this trade started, Brenton and Scott is as a as a 15 for 19 player deal how did you guys whittle it down to just this four for one I mean was that a sort of painstaking process to really you know bring it down from 33 total players to just those five or do you feel like that was a smooth process yeah it's interesting because of the new rule change and I think I might I know I sort of caused that rule change but I came to Scott as opposed to what I would have done maybe five, six weeks ago with like, hey, Scott, here's 40 players that are all decent. Take all of them. Uh, and came to him with four guys off my top 100 list, right? These guys that I came with, they're the talented, talented teams. But we actually started with a four-for-one offer, and it never got any bigger than that. Weirdly enough, I know, I know it's hard to believe, but that's where we started. Yeah, you know, Brenton, from when we were when we were talking and just chatting through our little minor deal um, with Buxton and Sharp, like I got pre pretty familiar with your top prospects. And the guys you moved were guys that, you know, I just quickly crossed off my list when I was going through and doing my trade with you, right? I'm like, not that guy, not that guy. So I wasn't super shocked when I saw the names that came through. Um, I actually wasn't all that familiar with Allard, so I had to go back and look, look at his stats too. What do you mean, when you say you cross them off, you say you cross them off because you didn't think I'd move them or you just didn't like them? Which, which way would you move uh, Didn't think you'd move them, right? We, we did such a minor deal that I wasn't going to come asking for those types of players, right? So I... I thought it was cool. And I actually had to go back myself and look at Allard and, and remind myself because when Scott and I had talked trades, it, again, it was more minor deals, right? So I hadn't even looked at Allard as a, as a potential candidate to be moved. I just knew he was a mainstay. But I get that at some point in time, like, you just get bored with your team, right, Scott? Like, a little bit, you're, 
you just keep churning out the same result and you're like, let's do this with new players. Like I, I think about that a lot of times, even just in like fantasy baseball too. Eddie, welcome. Yeah, well, um, I, I wanted to get Eddie's take, then we'll get back to you, Scott. Uh, Eddie, no problem. Uh, the trade, Cincinnati, Atlanta, what, what was your uh, reaction when you saw that uh, break the wire? So I was, I was a little torn because I think Scott has, like you look at his roster, man, it's a talented roster. So I was a little bummed to see him, um, you know, maybe throw in the towel a little bit early. Um, but, and when I looked at the guys he was getting, you know, and I compared to like this, I, I was after Allard, um, but I just, I was never going to be in contention for what he got. Like, I, I think he got an awesome return. So, um, yeah, I, so I'm I think it was a good deal. I think it was a good move for him, but I'm still a little torn. I think he's got a great roster that it's tough to see that be, being torn down. Yeah, and, and me, as a, a National League homer, you know, I've talked about it a bunch of times. I, I was hesitant to go after him. I really was. I don't think the Rams have a championship-winning roster. They're not going to beat the Angels. They're not going to beat the, the, the Mariners. But, like, I like their chances to compete in the National League and push the Cardinals to potentially make a move that they need to get better later on. And I think now, if the Reds fade back, the Cubs aren't a real team. The Pirates aren't a real team. The, you know, the, the Cardinals are going to run away with this thing. I know you, you love the, the jabs hate. But, like, the Cardinals are going to run with this, run away with this thing. And, and what pushes them to make a move to get better to compete with an American League team. I don't know. Like, Ryan has been a historically cautious. Now, that's interesting to say a guy that acquired Longoria and Kershaw. But, like, he's been very careful with his moves. He's not going to go out and make the little splashes. He's going to make either one big move or nothing. So what pushes Brockman to compete with American League teams? I don't know. I, I think we're stuck with the Mets now getting Greg Bird, probably to upgrade their roster. It's, it's the Mets and the Rockies. And that's the National League's – only friggin' hope, and, and I, I don't know. I would like more chances. <laughs> well, I, I want to. There were three other trades involving National League teams here in the last uh, couple days. The first one with Eddie here. Um, I think it's it's worth getting his opinion, uh, both with the rivalry ending and within within his division. That would be the Giants trying to uh, jumpstart their slow start by acquiring Miguel Velasquez. A player that has a notorious reputation for being a flat-out locker room cancer. A player that has experienced the National League West with his time back in Arizona. Is this a move that's going to work for your brother and the Giants? So, as a someone who's competing with him, I love it. Because I think it will not be a good move. <laughs> um, I think that that contract, that locker room fit, you know, you saw it first game, right? He was three for three. Nobody else on the team hit. Um, I think, you know, Posey is a good locker room captain, and I don't know if he can bring him and keep the keep the the team aligned with him in. But, dude, at that age, that contract, that attitude, I think it's a bad move. On the other hand, though, if I think Ryan has an aging roster, um, he does have a lot of talent, and if he's going to make the playoffs and make a push – it is the kind of move that could propel the team to rally around and do something. Like it's a, I, I think, you know, it's the one thing he could do to maybe spark something, but I honestly think it's going to be, it's going to set him, his franchise back a couple of years. The other thing that I, I think could go under the radar with this trade is his outfield defense. Um, Jimenez isn't a great outfielder. Bob Carl Bob Carlisle's a decent outfielder, but now having to play center field where he has his least amount of experience. And Velasquez is an average outfielder at best. Um, 
it's an outfield defense that could take a hit and could backfire against a team that's built on their pitching. But does anyone else have a have a take on uh, Miguel Velasquez to San Francisco? So that's that's an interesting piece. Sorry, I mean, we'll get to the take here. I just want to make sure. Adon, can you give away how long you've been in this league without giving away your identity? Uh, I've been here long enough. All right. So <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember Dave and the, the years, the literal years we spent debating whether defense mattered in this league or not? Like there were literally half a decade where this league had this ongoing argument whether defense mattered or not. Were you part of that? Dave had first baseman playing shortstop. I mean, Dave, Dave was playing premium positions. At least this is a left fielder. Yeah. I will I will give that. So we're not talking premium position. No, we're not. But it's, it's interesting to think about, like, somebody who had a competitive team at a time where this league maybe didn't have the super teams that it's got now. There was no Angels. There were no Mariners uh, at that time. But he had a competitive team with people playing well out of position. So the defensive thing, while interesting – and, yeah, San Francisco's got an interesting outfield. Like, it's got its own dimensions. It's got its own win patterns. I don't know how much that plays into our game at all. Like, that's an interesting piece. I think the bigger part of it is what Eddie just said. Like, his team's old as shit. His best couple players are, are like, my age. That's not good. You don't want people my age starring for your team right now. It's, it's not what, you, what you're looking for, right? So, this is, like, his last shot. And it's kind of what I was talking about with Scott. We talked about that a couple weeks before he traded Allard. The Giants and the Reds are in their, their twilight years. This is the last couple of years they could be. And the move he makes to push his team over the top is to go grab Miguel Velasquez. That's the move you're making, really. Like, I think this is a terrible decision. I'm with Eddie. I think this is going to be a total disaster. I think it's now a it, – it's, it's Rockies, Mets, Diamondbacks in the National League. I wish Sam and the Dodgers could compete. I, I really do, but I don't – his team's too far back at this point. The Giants are irrelevant to me. Like, I'm done with it. That's a Stephen Smith take. I get it, but they're done. They're done. Jim, um, I want your American League take then with this. If it didn't make sense for the Giants, well, did it make sense for the Yankees? Honestly, um, all I knew about Velasquez when I saw his name come through was it had stuck in my mind all of those low traits, right, that come across the board with him. So – while you guys, hearing you guys describe him as a, as a cancer makes total sense, I didn't know much beyond that with him. So other than the fact that I knew he was, you know, pushing like 30, 40, 50 home runs last year, um, <clears throat> every time we played him, he crushed one. So that's not really saying much against Detroit. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta do something when you're in the middle, right? Like there, there's a I feel like I feel like the Nationals are kind of in that boat, too. But that's that's my not very informed take. Well then, here let's let's stay with the junior division and bring Scott back into this with another tr- his most recent trade, his trade this afternoon of Craig Kimbrell and a million dollars cash to the Chicago White Sox for a pair of prospects and Will Anderson and Stan Lee. It's the third middle uh, late back end of the bullpen piece the White Sox have added here in about the last ten days. It's a team that has had a very hot ten game stretch or so, I believe, winning eight of ten maybe. A team that has now rebounded right around five hundred. They trail the Indians by five, six, seven games. Um, the American League wildcard race is going to be interesting because you have the Angels and Mariners probably going to both hit 100 wins, so that's going to take one of the spots. The Blue Jays, I think, are still a team that are going to win 90-plus games. It comes down to do the Yankees, are they for real all season long? Or will uh, Minnesota and Rocky find their groove and hit the 90-win hit the mark? Um, 
what did this move do for Chicago this season? Can the White Sox compete for a wild card spot or even the American League Central? Man, I'm hoping for a wild card spot. I mean, I'm pulling for these guys. When they started pushing and poking for um, back end bullpen help, both those guys in Seattle, we chatted very briefly because Detroit was trying to move a couple of those pieces too, if we could improve elsewhere. Um, I I actually like the White Sox chances. I, I, I tend to see them as like a pretty scrappy team every time I play them. The Yankees are real hit and miss, at least the games that we've had against them. I, I feel like I feel like they're real boomer bust. So I like the I like the White Sox as the more steady option there. I don't think they're gonna catch I don't think they're gonna catch the division win, but maybe sneak in at the end. Scott, without giving away your other suitors, um, how active was the trade market for Craig Craig Kimbrell? I had uh, three or four other teams asking about him, but when uh, Hodges asked, I said, this is what it would take. And he said, let me sleep on it. And then this afternoon, he came back to me and said, it's a deal. So um, I really like Will Anderson, good outfielder, I think, in the next year or so. And, you know, Stan Lee was a guy who I traded a few years ago. And, you know, I, I see him more of a, as a, a setup slash closer type in the future. Be nice if he developed a fourth pitch and became a, a starter, but I don't see that happening. Then, uh, then Brenton, your trade, you had a trade this afternoon as well, uh, an interdivision trade. Um, the New York Mets acquiring Greg Bird, a position of weakness with both Russell Martin and what Travis Darno behind the plate uh, already, both struggling, both veterans adding Greg Bird to a lineup that already has the likes of Elvis Andrews, uh, Matt Dendecker, Marte, Wilcox, Wong Lewis. It's now a very deep lineup, a team that still has arguably the best pitchers in the National League, both uh, on the mound in the, in the rotation and in the bullpen. Uh, are the Mets – I mean, I, I know we have Eddie on the call uh, and Arizona lurking out west as well, but does this move push the uh, Mets and Bruce as the team to beat in the National League? I still think the, the Rockies are the team to beat. Uh, the Mets are great. I mean, I, the Mets are one of those teams that, like, they get more out of their players than anybody else. Like, I, I never expect the players that are on their roster. Alberto Vega, John Lester, these guys, like, I don't think anything of them from their ratings and their history, but they're spectacular. They, they just produce year over year. Matt Dan Decker, I forget the name of the fellow who is their their other corner outfielder who, who almost won an MVP last year. I never heard of the guy, literally. Before Josh, Josh Wilcox. Yeah, Joshua, like, I never heard of the guy. Like, it's just consistently the Mets are producing these kinds of players. So, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to catch Eddie. I think that they're the two seed. Now, could they beat Eddie in a, in a four or five, six game series? Yeah, they're pitching spectacular. Both Vega is, is, is virtually unhittable at times. So, like, the, the possibility is there. But I still think, even with the Bird acquisition, they've got one more piece to add. And I I think it's on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe in, their pen's great. Their, their rotation's fine. They got one more offensive piece to add. I don't know what it is, but I think they have one more piece where they can catch with the Rockies. And, and that may be rose-colored glasses, but I, I love the Rockies lineup. And actually, I love the manager's name escapes me at the, at the moment. But, like, when I traded this, – this is personal for me. I ended up trading Hideki Abe uh, and a couple other guys to the Rockies. And then with the well-documented drunken offseason – that led me to not re-sign the, the manager that brought me to the World Series. Like, on accident, yeah. literally didn't dude, realize his contract expired. Dude, my three three of the key guys, like Abe, Dennis Moore, and Des, Desi Wilson. Desi. 
all, the, we, we're going to thank our success to the yeah. Atlanta Braves. <laughs> the, the Desi Wilson thing killed me, man, because, like, we brought him in, and he was one of the managers. Actually, Desi Wilson is the reason that, that managers that have that controlling style in this league no longer have full lineup control because Matt let me undo it, right? And, and so that was the one thing against Desi was that he wouldn't let you have lineup control. I signed him. Matt let me to undo it. I forgot he was on a one-year contract or two-year contract. He lapsed. I was just – I was not paying attention in the offseason. He walked, and he ended up signing with the fucking Rockies. And lo and behold, the Rockies <laughs> are the best in the National League the next couple years. It's unbelievable. Like, most frustrating thing I've ever done in my entire life. But I still think because of that, great management, great offense. I love their staff, despite the fact that they're in the Coors Field. Like, I love the Rockies staff. The Rockies are the team to build. And you think about this, Eddie's one of the most active trade – at least asking on things, pieces out, like partners out there, Eddie's going to go buy something. You know he is. The Rockies are buying something before the deadline. What is it? I don't know. He's buying something. This team's getting better, and I think they're already the best team in the National League. He's Let's buy not forget for the end of May. The offseason acquisition of uh, American League MVP can, uh, contender last season, Steve Winter, I'd say that's worked out for you uh, so far this year. Dude, I mean, that guy's been unreal. He's – I thought, uh, you know, last year, I think, what, it, McKinley hit, like, 360-something. Um, winter, winter's hitting better than that so far. Uh, as of the other day, uh, the 11th, I have uh, Winter hitting 379 with an on-base percentage of just 436. So, uh, a guy that is living on base in front of the likes of Correa, McKinley, Peterson, all things are well in Colorado. What, first in batting average, first in on-base percentage, first in slugging, OPS, second in run scored, first in the hits. Basically every offensive category you could name, the Colorado Rockies lead it. Uh, there was so, one – go ahead. I was going to say, the, the, one, uh, the one thing that I think will come back to bite me, and it happened, if you, if you remember, in the World Series, um, it was, I think it was game seven or game six where I had like four or five errors. My defense is, is still – it's like one of the worst in the National League. So – that's the thing that's on my mind. Like, our defense has got some, some holes. And to be fair, we the Rockies were chasing Michael Sharp at one point. I do know that. We have an, a team – or a uh, – not a team, but a, a request to talk about a team tonight. Um, it's a team that has slowly rebuilt themselves um, from – here, let me pull up their history before I speak outside my mouth. 2018, they won 61 games. 2019, they won 81 games. So, 20, 20 win improvement for the Boston Red Sox from 18 to 19. Uh, 2020 has not gotten off to the start that uh, Brett and those in the front office in Boston hoped for. Um, what, what do we see with the Red Sox? What do we think they maybe should be doing? What, what's just our general vibe with uh, the Boston Red Sox over in the American League East as John and Tampa Bay rebuild? as Drew and Baltimore continue to rebuild. And it's kind of a, a two-horse race at the top currently with Mitch and Rhett in uh, New York and Toronto. Where do, where do the Red Sox fit in with all of this? I mean, they're in that dreaded position of, like, being mid-tier, right? They are stuck between a rebuild, which I, I think they did really well. I love Todd Kuhn. I love Drew Locke's potential. He has definitely struggled at the major league level. Uh, they have a couple bats down that major Scott, what's the guy's name that was a sticking point in your deal talk? What, what was that kid's name? Oh, uh, oh, it starts with a P. Uh, Pen Penatera? 
he's a he's like a 19 year old international kid. The kid looks like Nomar Mazzara without the fielding ability. The kid that is is ridiculous, right? So they have these pieces that are like 19, 20 years old. They'll be ready in two or three years. They've got Todd Kuhn, who's already up there. They've got like Ronald Stanton, a couple of other pieces that I really like. George Springer has played fairly well out there. Boston's a team that's good enough to win 85, 87 games this year. Will they? No. Will they next year? Maybe. Is Ian that going to win? Is, uh, what? Nobody's you missed Cleveland. Sawyer Cleveland. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sawyer Cleveland's another piece, right? Like, but but they're not, they're not going to get beat with Toronto right now. And honestly, Toronto's one of those teams like you can't come out of anything, right? Like, th- th- their roster right now is spectacular. I mean, Mitch is liable to blow it all up tomorrow and then rebuild the next day. Like, you never know what's going to be a Toronto's lineup, but you can't count the, 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 the Blue Jays out. So I think if you look at the Blue Jays as being a constant in that top two or three, the, the Orioles, whose prospects I love, by the way, if you actually take a deep look at their, their system, it's so deep. Um, and then you look at Tampa Bay, who I think did a pretty good job rebuilding. It's tough, man. Like, the Yankees I really like. I don't know that Brett has a future year unless he, he goes all in one way or the other. He's kind of in that, like, halfway rebuilding mode. He's already out there publicly trying to buy a starting pitcher in last place in the American League East. Like, is that the right move for an American League East team that's, that's in the bottom, bottom half? I don't know. He shouldn't be in an LR. He shouldn't be trying to go out and buy a guy like John Bauer or Trevor Bauer, excuse me. He wasn't. But still, he needs to be, in my opinion, selling pieces. That's Not to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt you for one second. We have an injury that's worth noting tonight. Casey Kelly left his start uh, for Seattle against Oakland in the uh, seventh inning. We're going to have to wait and see what that injury is like. But a, a rotation in Seattle that I know is um, out, outside of the top two in Hooper, I guess top three, Hooper, Bundy, and Holson, there has been some concern about with its depth. So an injury, to, a long-term injury to Casey Kelly could be a problem for the Seattle Mariners. Some uh, adversity. I love it. Yeah. What else uh, was had you uh, heard from GMs from? What what other topics do people want uh, discussed tonight? We got about five minutes left before this timer uh, gets the best of us. Yeah, I, I want to talk tires, man. Like that, we don't get <laughs> a real deep look at the tires rebuild that often. Jim and assistant, his assistant GM Josh, the the video game bandit, are barely hidden. I, I'd love to hear the tigers' thoughts on where their rebuild is and where their plan is. Well, oh, let's man. start with this then. Let's start with this, Jim. You had, what, the number one pick in the draft, Jason Dumont. Tell us about him. Jason Dumont. Um, yeah, so a lot of people had some other pitchers ahead of him. We had him as both the highest rated and the safest. So um, high high floor and still a bunch of ceiling left on him too. Mainly a control guy, um, but still some decent stuff there too. So we really liked that pick. Um, and we've been going offense the past couple of years with the number one picks. So it felt good to take an arm. We haven't really developed much in the minor league system thus far. Anthony Chapman has uh, had his debut here recently, a 2-0 start in the bigs. Um, I know you had mentioned that Matthew Libertor might not be far off. How? Uh, what's his timeline to reach the bigs? Is he going to be gonna be quick. for a while? No, nope, it's going to be quick. Um, I would say within a month. I might get. I might get more impatient. We'll see if Josh talks me out of it. Are there any other uh, high-end prospects along the ways to join the two of them in the bigs this year? Um, some of our top prospects might pop up, um, but I don't think that they're anything more than big players. So 
Um, Keston Hira has really nice stats at AAA, but he still swings and misses quite a bit. And I just, I have concern about, concerns about him in general. Um, Rosa, we already promoted. That's a guy we got from uh, Justin out in Seattle, who we love. And he looks like a fixture at top of the lineup. Venables, our number one pick from either, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. Um, he's struggling at AA. I really wanted to be able to push him to AAA, but it doesn't look like we can. What's what's the first year in your mind that the Tigers win the Central? Where where's your target? Twenty twenty two. When all the money comes off the books, we can be we can be players in free agency that year, like big players in free agency that year. Um, and I think the talent starts to congeal a little bit around that around that time frame. Twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. I hate free agency in this league. I hate it so much. You hate what? I hate free agency in this league. It's a nightmare. I can't oh, God, yeah. The last Miles. Why the shit is Will Myers making $30 million? It's ridiculous. Anyway, unrelated. Yeah, buddy. I'm curious if, if, you guys have, if you guys have a take on the White Sox. That's a team that, like I said, I follow quite a bit. Um, I feel like that pitching staff has a ton of potential and um, is never really performing. We seem to rake them pretty good every time we play as well. It's an interesting pitching staff. Um... Kyle Cody, and Brenton can speak on this because you spent uh, some time in Atlanta, possesses terrific stuff, but it's never really translated onto the field yet. Um, it, it, and, and will it? Uh, I think that there's question marks on, on that. Josh Johnson's a veteran getting up there in age. The, the guy that I think uh, has been just tested to that bad luck this year. And I think some of it has to do with just the atrocious, Eddie spoke of his atrocious Bill defense. The, uh, the Bill Black has just yeah. been blasted because just guys are making contact and finding open space. Uh, last I checked, this was a team that had a defense that ranked basically near the bottom of the American League. Uh, and it's, it's having an impact on all those starters. He's also Black's faced some really tough offenses. I, I I remember this and I just pulled it up real quick. Like he said, he said Colorado and um, and Los Angeles like back to back. So I know that I know he's had some tough starts in there too. Another team in the, in that division that, that's had some pitchers uh, face adversity, and I think lineup wise or schedule wise hasn't been uh, favorable matchups. Has been Sean Stevens and Pineda in Cleveland. Uh, ball's been flying out of the park off of both of their bats, but at the same time, what Strasburg and Rod Swift are thirteen and zero. Last I saw, so things are things aren't terrible in Cleveland. What's your take with a, being a part of that division? Who, who last year we saw Cleveland get to a hot start, Minnesota chased them down. Cleveland's off to another terrific start. Added Strasburg this offseason. Are they the team to beat? Is it Minnesota or can the White? Who who's the favorite in your eyes uh, in that division? Man, I whenever I look at when I when I look at those two teams and they are pretty equal, I I still see Cleveland as the favorite. I love the I love the front part of the pitching staff. I like most of the lineup. Um, those guys batter us pretty good every time we play. Minnesota, and like I apologize, Rocky. I can't actually remember if we've played that many games so far this year, but um, I just for whatever reason I'm just not as afraid of that team when we when we roll in there. Uh, we uh, are approaching the – we're under five minutes. So let's, uh, let's go some final thoughts. Jim, I got you here on screen. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? With anything league-related, Tiger-related? What's, uh, what's the last word you, you have? Final thoughts. Uh, 
come bring some trade ideas to Josh. That guy loves to talk trade. Josh, let's let's yeah, yeah, video games and trading. That's uh, that's what Josh gets paid the big bucks for in Detroit. <laughs> Scott, uh, what are your final thoughts? What's what's coming next? What should we expect here in the next uh, day, week, two weeks uh, with the Cincinnati Reds? Well, we'll we'll see what kind of trade offers I get on everybody. That's you know major league piece because you know the fire sale in Cincinnati, folks. Well, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens. I mean, hey, I won tonight. You did win tonight, Eddie. Final thoughts uh, coming out of Colorado. Uh, well, Colorado just walked it off against the Giants, so that's cool. And then, uh, hey, the the Diamondbacks. They scare the shit out of me. That's a good damn team. And what, with Jeffrey Stone still lurking in the wings? Yeah, dude. It's like you just look at his AAA line. He's got like, he, they, I think over the next couple of years, uh, they're good. They're in this, like, they're just, they're a good team. They are a, a very, very good team. Uh, Brenton, yep. Atlanta, final thoughts coming out of you. Anything uh, that we need to touch on quickly here in the next last two minutes? No, final thoughts out of Atlanta are hey, we are absolutely going to organize a major league pro. MLB Pro uh, drinking night. We're gonna we're gonna have a, uh, a a night. We're gonna play some games, folks. I don't care if it's it's board games or what it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it happen in a couple weeks here. I'm pumped about it. It's a good league. I really appreciate the participation tonight. It's been a fucking blast over the last couple weeks. And quarantine sucks. <laughs> quarantine does suck. MLB Pro does make things better. Thank you guys for joining us, uh, Eddie. As always, thanks for joining us, Scott. Good to see you again, Brenton. Thanks for seeing you, Jim. Is this your first time uh, zooming with us? First time, man. But I'm on. I'm I'm coming strong next time. Yeah, you're you're stuck with us moving forward. So thank you for taking a part, and uh, we'll be back here in a couple days to discuss uh, the latest trade out of Cincinnati. Take care, guys. See you guys.